You might be facing doubts about your purpose. You might be facing lies from the enemy. You might be struggling in your day-to-day -day life. But know this, you have a higher purpose, an anointing, and a calling on your life. If the story of King David teaches us anything, it teaches that the key to our calling is to trust in God. Amen, amen. Well, today we are kicking off a four-week series called Shepherd King. Now, in this message series, we're gonna be looking at the life of David. Now, David is one of the people in the Bible that we're like, man, this is a good guy, okay? We've got a lot of wisdom that we can learn from him. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times when people preach about David and we talk about him in the church, a lot of times we use him as a model. You know, model your life like David. But, but really, the purpose of him in the Bible is he's not just a model. It's more of a mirror, a mirror that you can hold up to your own life and see David in yourself, right? How did David get to where he was? Look at his anointing. Look at all the things he went through when he was being persecuted. Because here's the thing, as Christians, we will be persecuted at times. How did he respond in the good moments, but also how he responded in the bad moments? We're able to hold up this mirror and say, okay, I'm starting to see tendencies in my life. I don't want to have the same consequences as David. But here's the thing, the good, the bad, the ugly, we're looking at David. And in this series, we're going to be staying in First and Second Samuel. Now, David, he was far from perfect. If you know anything about David and you've ever read about him in First and Second Samuel, you know later on in life, he went through some stuff, okay? You know he fell. But here's the thing. The Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. That's a big deal. And, but his, in his life is a testament of the goodness of God the faithfulness of God, how in our weakness, he is strong. And there's so much wisdom that we can learn and apply to our lives. But in this message, kicking it off, I wanna ask you a question. I need you guys to be honest with me. Is that okay? We're in church, so you can't lie. So have you ever felt unqualified? You just, okay. I guess first service was more unqualified than second service, but um <laughs> But I think this is something a lot of people have felt in their life, oh, I'm overlooked. If you grew up with a lot of siblings, feeling overlooked, man, I'm not my mom's favorite. I, I knew I grew up that way. I, was, I wasn't the favorite. I was her favorite son because she only had one. So thankfully I had that going for me. But this is something a lot of us have to deal with in our life where I don't feel good enough. I don't feel good about myself. I feel unqualified, looking at our relationship with God and saying, man, I'm never going to be the type of person God wants me to be. I'm never going to be able to walk out this calling that God has put in front of me. It's easy to feel this way. Let me give you some examples. As how, many, how many parents do we have in here? If, man, if you have teenage children, I'm gonna, I'm, I've already prayed for you this morning, but I'm going to say a prayer for you again. It is difficult I know for me, I've got, I've got toddlers at home. I've got three young girls, five, three, and six months. My house is, yeah, yeah it's bad. <laughs> My house is crazy. The other night I was having a moment. I had all the kids at home. I mean, there's dresses everywhere. There's tiaras thrown in all over the place. The, 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 the play kitchen is destroyed. They put real water in it. And I'm just going, I'm going crazy. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this whole dad thing. And I look at my oldest, she's five years old. I go, Sadie, I don't know if I can do this whole dad thing anymore. This is really hard. 
And she looked at me and she said, you don't have a choice. I said, okay, I, I guess you're right. But in that moment, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this. But, but following Jesus, we're, it's so easy for us to get in this place of, man, God, I'm never gonna be able to measure up, right? I'm in this same sin. I keep returning over and over again. How can I even go to church? God, how can I get in your word? I don't even feel qualified to even hold the door open for people. And this is a place that so many people live. In our careers, it's easy for us to feel like, man, I'm overlooked. That person keeps getting promoted and I've been in the same position for 10 years. When is it going to be my turn? I feel unqualified. I feel not good enough. Or even looking at your prior life where you're still holding shame, holding hurt, holding trauma. And you look at this and you say, you know what? I guess this is just always how it's going to be. I guess I'm always gonna be anxious. I guess I'm just always gonna be depressed. I'm always gonna have to live with this trauma and this pain. And this is just how it's going to be. I'm here today to tell you that those are lies from the pit of hell. Those are lies. You aren't qualified to walk in this life because of what you've done or your accomplishments or your ability to do something. You're qualified because of who lives inside of you. We serve a God. He doesn't look at your outward appearance. Thank you, Jesus, right? He looks at the heart. And what I know about this life, as difficult as it may be, the ups, the downs, the valleys, the, the turns, is he will prepare you in ways that you would not expect. The title of today's message is, You Are Anointed. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? If you have God's word, let's lift it up. This right here is truth. This right here is life. In a culture that constantly is changing and evolving, we have something that we can cling to that doesn't change, that is the truth, the hope. We can always have hope. We can always have certainty because of this book right here. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord Jesus, that in this service, God, that your spirit would move freely, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open our eyes to hear from you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint this word, that you would open hearts and ears to hear a word just for your people, God. In your name I pray, amen. So when I came into ministry, I never did this before. Okay, I, I came from the corporate world. I worked in construction when I was in college, roofing. It, it was like, if you ever wanna know what hell's like, get on a roof for like a day, okay? It's terrible. But when I came into ministry, I had so many negative thoughts from the enemy. I was like, how in the world am I ever gonna do this? You know, my dad's the senior pastor. People are gonna be expecting this from me. And I'm like, listen, I'm not my dad. I'm not him. And I felt unqualified. I looked at our youth group and I looked at the people who came before me, other pastors. I'm like, man, I can't sing like Joey. He, he's so talented and, and, and I'm low-key tone deaf. I don't know how I'm gonna be able to do these things. Now, here's the thing. When me and Pastor Marcelo started in the youth group, we had 63 kids. And over the years, God grew this ministry. Every single Wednesday night, we have over 300 kids. Sometimes we have 500 kids. It is a miracle. Now, here's the thing. Praise God. 
the youth group did not grow because of me and Pastor Marcelo. The youth group grew in spite of us. That's the truth. Is everything that we do, it's not because of us. Things take place, lives, take, our lives are changed, not because of my words or my, me, me, me being able to get people excited. No, no, no. The Spirit of God transforms people's lives. I may not feel qualified. I may not feel good enough. I may feel like, man, there's no way I can do this. But through the Spirit of God, you are qualified. We talked about it earlier. There's times in life where we feel unqualified. God, how do you want me to be a parent? This is hard, kind of scary. How, do you, how, do you, how can I bring my witness into my work? It's easy to feel unqualified. We're not alone. David felt this way as well. In 1 Samuel 16, I want to give you some context. There was a prophet. His name was Samuel. He was in a very difficult place. Very difficult. Because he anointed the first king of Israel, Saul. He anointed the first king. Israel begged for a king and they got it. They got Saul and Samuel anointed him. So he's mourning this because Saul has become a terrible king. He's selfish. He's, 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 he's killing people. All these crazy things are taking place. So he's mourning this. And God told him, don't continue to mourn over what God has said is done. Look forward to what I'm going to do. So what he's saying, and this is for somebody in here, is mourning isn't bad. We need to mourn. We need to feel things, whether it's a loss or a pain, it's okay to mourn, but look forward to what God is going to do. Don't allow yourself to get stuck there. But God tells him, I have rejected Saul as king of Israel. He tells him, go to Bethlehem. You're going to find a man named Jesse, for I have selected one of his sons to be king. Now, Samuel, he was nervous because if Saul found out that he was going to do this, he was going to kill him. Saul, I mean, uh, Samuel's probably freaking out, but he says, don't worry, I am going to be with you. So Samuel goes, he finds the household of Jesse. He walks in and sees one of Jesse's son, sons. This guy looks perfect. He's the oldest son. He's tall. He is dark. He is handsome. He is strong. This has to be the next king of Israel. He's just like Saul. But here's the thing. God didn't want another Saul. He wanted the right person to be in that seat. And this is in 1 Samuel 16, 7. This is where we start. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse, he gets his other sons and, and one by one, Samuel says, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. No, this, this definitely isn't the one the Lord has chosen. One by one, all of Jesse's sons are denied. In verse 10, Jesse had seven, seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are, are, are these all the sons you have? Are you hiding one? Oh, actually, there, there is the, still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending to the sheep, Samuel said. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. I don't know if Jesse was hiding this son. He's like, there's no way that they're gonna pick David. He, he's taking care of the sheep. 
everything's fine. David enters the scene. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. David, really? The youngest brother, the one who is in the fields, there was no possible chance for David to be anointed king. His father didn't even recognize him as a son. They're lining everybody up. He's like, he ain't even worthy to get. We're just, he's, he's out good. He's taking care of things. How could he be the next king of Israel? And here's the truth. And this is for us in this room because God is not concerned with accolades. He's not concerned with the ability to do something or other people's opinion of you. He looks at the hearts. He looks at the heart. And what does God's word say about David? He was a man after God's own heart. This is the first point. So if you're taking notes, write this down. God has anointed you. So don't let anything hold you back. God has anointed you. Now in the Old Testament, anointing, this was like a, a ritualistic thing to appoint priests, kings, and sometimes prophets to their position by a ceremony of anointing. It involves smearing on oil on someone's head or on their body parts. And this was a sign that people were set apart for the service of God. Now in our culture today, we still do this. When a pastor comes into ministry or, or we pray over people, we anoint them with oil saying they're set apart for God's work. But here's the thing, and this is what I want everybody to understand is we, today, we are in the New Testament, right? We are in the New Testament. Why is the New Testament so important? Because the spirit of God dwells in us. It's not just where the Ark of the Covenant is or where there's oil. No, no, no. The spirit of God is amongst us his people. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, his spirit dwells in you. And what that means is you are anointed by God to do something for him. The spirit of God is present inside of you. This is empowering. We don't need oil. We don't need the Ark of the Covenant. No, no, no. He lives in you. In the Great Commission, it says to go. So you have been commissioned by God, anointed by God to go, to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all men. You are anointed. In 2 Corinthians 1, it says, now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This seal of ownership is guaranteeing that the spirit of God is with you. Guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing that God will use you. So I want you to write this down. What did God anoint you to do? You might what has God anointed you to be? Think about this for a moment. Maybe you're like, I, I don't have that answer. Get along with God. 
Spend time with him. Let him speak to you. Because what I can promise you is every person in this room, everyone who's online that follows Jesus and has the spirit of God dwelling inside of them, you have been anointed to do something. You weren't just anointed to sit in these AMC theater seats. You were anointed by God to do something for him. So what has he anointed you to do? And what is holding you back? What's holding you back? I think two of the biggest things that are holding so many Christians back. The first thing is the desire to be liked. I don't care if you're 20, I don't care if you're in high school, I don't care if you're 50, 70, we wanna be liked, right? We wanna be loved. Well, that's a huge thing in our culture where we love to please people and, and people be like, man, th- that person's so great, we love that. And we let other people's opinions sway how we live our life. I want you to know this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not called to just blend in. You were not called to be camouflage in this culture. You were called to be set apart. You are a city on a hilltop for all the world to see. What does the Bible promise? It has a lot of promises that you can lean on on hard days, but what it also promises is that in this life, you will face persecution. That's a promise. You will be persecuted for his namesake. But so many times what's holding us back is, I want everyone to like me. I don't wanna rock the boat. I don't wanna bring this up. You know, this person that I sit next to every single day in my cubicle, I, I don't know if it, we let people's opinions hold us back. The next thing that holds so many people back is busyness. In our culture, we, our calendars run our life. Okay, I gotta get up at 5.30 in the morning. I gotta work out. I gotta, I gotta get up and make the kids breakfast. I gotta take the kids to school. It's this society of muchness, always more, always reaching. Technology, the purpose of technology was supposed to simplify our life, but really what it's done is to make our life more busy. What does the word of God say? It says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes I've been doing this new thing where I just turn my phone off for four minutes every morning and I just put on a timer and I'm just still, and it's uncomfortable, right? Because in our culture, it's loud. We always got dings, we've got, we got vibrates, we've got other things going on, it, it, it's a lot. But in those moments, you can allow God to speak to you. Speak to you by calming the world and being still and knowing that he is God. But so many times in our culture, we we talk about being called by something in the church, right? We've been anointed to do something. And a lot of times when we think about this, we think about a job. Okay, what what job has God called me to do? What what college has God called me to be at? Or where, where has God called me to live? So I want you to know this. God is less concerned with what you do for work or where you live, but he's more concerned with how you love him and how you influence others. I get to speak with a lot of young adults and they're all freaking out. Where, where do I go to school? Where, where, should I go to UF? Should I go to USF? I don't know. And I'm like, I don't think God really cares where you go to school. I think God's biggest concern is where is your heart? Are you loving him above everything? 
Are you letting your influence be known of saying, this is who I am? How are you going to live out this calling? If you belong to Christ, you are called. You're called. So the better question is this, is how can we live out this anointing? How can we live out this calling on our life? How can we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might and love the people around us? And not just say, hey, God loves you and give them an encouragement, but make disciples. You know, not just say, hey, you know, you said the sinner's prayer, praise God. And it's like, all right, you're on your way. No, no, no. Discipling people, truly being there for people. How can we live this out? We have to stay connected to the vine. We have to stay connected to the vine because when we are connected to the source of life, Jesus, you will have a life and life more abundant. If you don't spend time with the father, then you will not be able to walk this out. You gotta get in his word. Don't listen to me. I could be lying to y'all. Y'all need to fact check me. Go to God's word. Spend time with him. Spend time in his presence and in prayer. This is like a forgotten art. Listen, go back to just the beginning. Return to your first love when things were simple. I'm gonna slow down. I'm gonna get in the presence of God. I'm gonna eliminate distractions from my life. The things that have been pulling me back, I don't need those things. I'm gonna get in the presence of God. I'm gonna get in community. And church, we don't just live in rows. We live in circles, right? We need community in our life. I need people to encourage me. You need people to encourage you. This is life giving. Stay connected to the vine. The next point is this, is when you are anointed for something, opinions don't matter. Opinions don't matter. We talked about it earlier. When in, our, in your life, you will hear opinions from your family, people that you love, but when you're anointed by God for something, these things do not hold us back. So many times in church, we, we use this phrase of anointing. Like, oh man, Pastor Glenn, he is an anointed preacher. Pastor Marcello is just so anointed. Oh, Pastor Tim's Bible class, this is such an anointed class. And, and, and it, it, Pastor Elena, she's so anointed. Or this person leading a ministry is just so anointed. And here's the, here's the truth. They are anointed. Anointed by God to lead, anointed by God to teach, anointed by God to sing or, or whatever it may be. But here's the thing. Not everybody is anointed for the same thing. You may not be anointed to stand in front of a thousand people and preach. If you're tone deaf, you're probably not anointed to lead worship. That's just the truth. I'm not either. I'm right there with you. It's okay. But what I do know is that every single person is anointed by God to do something. If you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you are called to the ministry. Now, they might, this might not be in the church, but what I know about the church is the church is without walls. The church is mobile. We don't just stay here, we go from here. We share with the world with how we live, with how we love, with how, uns how we're not selfish, how everything isn't just about us. What can ministry look like for you in your life? I feel like one of the most important ministries if you are a husband or a wife or have children is leading your families. 
leading your families. Listen, I don't care how great of a ministry that I'm a part of, how big it is or anything. If I neglect my family and leading my family, I failed. The most important ministry that you will have in your life is the ministry in your home. If you just bring your kids to church and say, you know what, God's gonna get them, God is good. What are you teaching them at their home? Training them in the way that they should go because when they're old, they will not part from it. We're gonna love them, we're gonna be there, but it's not just on us. It's a partnership. Lead your families, lead your spouses. Loving our neighbor. A lot of times we open up that garage, we pull our car inside and we look and we close the door and we don't even talk to people. But we say we love people, that we care about people. Listen, there's people on your street, in your apartment complex, wherever you live, that don't know God. That do not know the truth. That if they died today, they would not spend eternity with God. God has put you in that place to minister, to love, to bring the truth, to bring encouragement. You don't have to go and knock and and just be like, hey, have you heard about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? No, no, no. Have a relationship with them. If someone's sick, cook them a meal. Be there for them. In our workplaces, minister to your coworkers. Love the people around you. We're not just sitting on the sidelines. Us, we are called to steward this anointing well, to lead people to God. Use your influence. Use the influence that God has given you, that he's anointed you with. So let's go back to Jesse. So he didn't even think David as his son was worthy of consideration. But I love this verse. We already read it in verse seven. It says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now in this culture, in in, in the Old Testament, the one who would be anointed, the one who was up next was always the firstborn son. If it wasn't the firstborn son, it was the secondborn son. He shouldn't been the anointed king, not David, but he wasn't even in the running. That's why his dad didn't even go get him. He's like, oh, we got seven sons inside. We're good. There's, he's not even in the running. And maybe in your life, you feel like I'm not even in the running to be used by God. Look at my past. Look what I've been through. Look at the things that have taken place. I'm not as talented as that person. I can never be the type of dad that person is. I can never be the type of mom that person. Opinions don't matter. The only opinion that matters in your life is the opinion of God. Don't let people's opinions hold you back. This is the last point is when God anoints you, he will see it through. He will see it through. When I was, when I was working in the corporate world, I, I, right when I graduated college, I was like, I need a job. I need a job bad. Okay, I'm, I'm working on a roof at this point in my life and I'm, I'm roofing, I'm driving a truck. It was terrible. I found this job, it's called Waffle House. Okay, everyone's been to the awful waffle a few times, probably at 3 a.m. in the morning. So I started this job. I started off as a unit manager, GM, got promoted to district, eventually got promoted to division. I was overseeing 10 stores in Southwest Florida. But my very first day on the job, 
have my little Waffle House hat on. I'm like excited. I felt like donkey in the morning. I'm making waffles. <laughs> I was excited. But I remember praying before I went into work that day and saying, God, why am I here? <laughs> like, really, why am I here? And he's like, okay, this is gonna build you. This is going to build a platform of leadership for you. You're gonna learn a lot here. But the biggest reason why you're here is to minister to people. It's to love people. And if you've ever been to Waffle House, that is a ministry right there. You want a homeless ministry? Go to Waffle House. If, if, if you want people who are all alone, you go to Waffle House, man. It is, that's a ministry. And that became my ministry. He saw it through. I can't tell you how many people, customers, employees, I led to the Lord. I can't tell you how many Bibles I gave away. Countless. I can't tell you, even in, people used to make fun of me. My, it didn't come without opposition. Some of my bosses, they would make fun of me. They're like, oh, he just loves Jesus. They're going out on business trips and they're going out and drinking. They're like, don't invite Andrew. He, he doesn't do that type of stuff. They, they called me Waffle Jesus, okay? <laughs> and Waffle God. Now, now here's the thing. I was not swayed by other people's opinions. I knew why I was there. And while I'm there, I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna have the best profits in the company. I'm gonna do it unto God. And I'm gonna lead people to Jesus. That is us in our life today. God has anointed you. He will see it through. The moment I started, he had anointed moments waiting for me. And I want you to know when you leave this place today, he has anointed moments waiting for you. He saw it through in my life, preparing me for what was to come. Right now in your life, you're in preparation for what is to come. This is just the beginning, but it starts by answering the call of the anointing that is on your life. Philippians 1.6, it says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The work began when Christ was on the cross and he died for us. The work continues in us when we believe. And when we believe, his spirit dwells in us, enabling us to become more like Christ. And he will see it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. God saw David through. He saw him through. He had opposition. He had things he had to walk through. He had to kill lions. He had to kill bears. He had to kill a giant. He had to run away from persecution with Saul. Why was he so confident? How could God see him through? He wasn't confident in himself. He was confident in who was empowering him. I'm anointed, I'm anointed by God. I know he's gonna see it through. Why can't I face this giant? This giant can't do nothing to me. I'm the next anointed king of Israel. He had confidence. He led armies, killed tens of thousands of enemies of Saul. How? He had a confidence. It's time for us in this room to get our confidence back. Not a confidence in your own ability. You are talented, you are smart. You've got a bachelor's degree, fantastic. But confident in who is empowering you. Because what I know about God is you and God make a majority. 
despite your weaknesses, you will be strong. I'm confident in God. He will see it through. You know, some theologians think that it took upwards of 15 to 17 years for David to become king. It wasn't like, okay, they rubbed some, some anointing oil on his head and then he's, he's king. It was a process and God saw it through. How will Christ see your anointing through in your life? How will he see it through? We have to answer the call. The anointing on your life as a follower of Jesus, it's already there, but we have to be obedient. We have to submit ourselves to him. We have to rely on him. It's not in my power. It is not in my strength. It's through the power of God's spirit. I want you to understand this. No matter where you've been in your life, no matter how high you are in your life or how low you feel you may be or how unqualified you are, or how, over, how many times you've been overlooked, you are called. You are anointed. You may feel like, man, I'm not even in the running at all. You may not even believe it yourself right now, but I'm here to tell you, you are anointed. No matter what someone has told you, no matter where you've been, you are anointed and called by God. Steward this anointing well. Lead people to Jesus. So in your life, if you're taking notes, what's your next step? Where do we go from here? What do you need to eliminate in your life? What have you been putting off that you know God wants you to follow through? You're already anointed to do it, but now it's time for us to take a step of faith. I want you to know now is your time. Don't hold back anymore. Maybe you feel fearful. You feel like you'll never measure up. I'm sure David felt that way at certain times, but he, know, he knew that God was right by his side. And I want you to know that God is right by your side too. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the people in this room that follow you and are anointed by you. I pray, Lord Jesus, in their life, they will walk out this calling, walk out this anointing, not worrying about other people's opinions, not worrying about fear, not worrying about anything, but serving you, pleasing the Father. God, give them strength. Give them courage. Let them know that you are right by their side, that you will see it through. Maybe you're in here today and you've never made that decision to follow God. I want you to know that God, Jesus, is reaching his hand to you, saying, now is your time. It's time to live for me. It's time for you to walk in the anointing that God has planned all along. He paid the price. He died for your sins. He made a way where there was no way. So if you're in here today and say, today is my day to have salvation. Today is my day to lay down my life, my past, my shame, my hurt at the feet of God and truly live for him. If that's you in here today, what I'm asking you to do is I wanna pray for you. I wanna just raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm gonna say a prayer for you, amen. 
Amen. You can put your hands down. If you raise your hands, this is an opportunity for you to kickstart your relationship with God. He's an intimate God. He's a relational God. Just say a prayer to him. Just you by yourself. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Today, I'm changing the goal. It's not about me anymore. I repent from who I used to be. God created me a new heart. Make me new. Declare his lordship over your life. And I'm gonna say a prayer over you now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the people that are receiving you as their Lord and Savior right now. I pray, God, that you would create in them a clean heart, a new heart, a heart that's ready to do your work, a heart that's ready to follow you, God. Whatever that has been holding us back in this life, temptations, sin, we lay it at your feet. We're changing the goal of our life today. God, I pray that you would create in us a clean heart. Make us new, Jesus. Today, we declare your lordship over us and we declare that you are our God and our savior. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Andrew. Okay, so you know how we roll at this church. We don't like to come up and contradict something that somebody just said, and, but I'm gonna contradict something you said, Pastor Andrew. Um, he said that he was low-key tone deaf. I come from a musical family, and I've heard you sing, and you're definitely not tone deaf. Actually, you have a really nice voice. So, yeah, it's gotta contradict you there. Um, but more importantly, you're in tune with the Holy Spirit. You are in tune with him. And I know you've told all of us that we have an anointing, and it's true. We all do have an anointing in our lives. Pastor Andrew Davis, you have an anointing in your life, and we're thankful for you. Amen. So would you stand with me now to receive your blessing? And as you're standing and as the altar prayer team is coming to the front, I wanna encourage you, after I say this blessing over you, please feel free to come up for prayer for any reason. That's what the altar prayer team is for. And if you raised your hand and really submitted your heart to Jesus for the first time, also come up because they have a free book that we wanna give you that we feel will help you on this journey. But to receive your blessing now, if you would just open your hearts to the Lord. If you want, you'll see some people are turning their palms upward just in an attitude of receiving, and you can do that too. May the Lord bless you this day with an awareness of his anointing on you, yes, you, and your life. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you, church. Hopefully we'll see you at the beach tonight at 6.